Picture a world where all the boys and girls are impeccably well-dressed. <laughs> that delivery guy in a jacket and tie. That puppy in a double breast. That 80s dude with mutton chops. That baby with a lollipop. And then I miss the lady cop that's kind of cute. I was like, nothing suits him like a suit. <laughs> guy at table over is like, a puppy in a double-breasted suit? <laughs> and I was like, it would be the most baller puppy out there. It sure would. We should be talking about this on the show, really. We should get started. Rob. Nick. Oh my god, we're both here. That must mean that this is East Meets West. The show where you and I discuss contemporary Canadiana from our adopted homes in Calgary and Ottawa. <laughs> that might be the best intro we've ever had. I feel pretty good. It's not exactly a high bar. <laughs> no, it's not. All pronounced correctly, that's really all it takes. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, we're back. What do you want to talk about first? Guess who's back. Back again. Well, I mean, we were talking about suits off air. We were, yeah. Yeah. I uh, just got a suit this summer. Did you? Yeah. And? Well, I mean, it, it fits less well than it did when I got it. I got does, it when it fit pretty much perfectly. Does that anything was, suit you like a suit? No, I would say nothing suits me like a suit. So, I'm just going to say our top story here. Mm-hmm. Or... I feel like a natural segue into a top story would be life while underemployed. Yeah. That's and a great, uh, yeah. on the note of suits, I have been working at the Bay and I am enjoying it, but it is not at all what I went to school for. What no. I went to school like three full times for. <laughs> hoping, hoping for a more technical field, but, uh, mm. It is interesting because they're shuffling me around a little bit to see where they want me, I guess, for sure. the Boxing Week insanity, which I'm sure right. will fall after Christmas. And I do know a lot more about suits now. That's good. Like in, just in my day-to-day -day life, I walk around looking at suits and finding where they're not fitting right and thinking about what could be done to make it better. Yeah. Naturally, you don't just stop these people and... Hey! 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 <laughs> you got some pulling in the back there. You should drop the collar. <laughs> or, you know, something like that. I mean, you could, but yeah, a lot of people might not appreciate that. You know, they're, they're so fickle. They're so fickle. I'm just trying to help them look nice. Yep. By yelling at them in the street. How else are you going to get their attention, Rob? It's that's fair. I can't really debate you on that. Yeah, it is a truth you can't refute. Oh, no. Nothing suits you like a suit. <laughs> so, underemployment. You do you wear a suit to work, or you just sell them sometimes? Um, until unless I get permanently stationed in the suit section, I just comply with the usual dress code. Okay. Though if I sell suits forever, they would like to see me in a suit. Sure. And of course, you'd be required to furnish yourself with a suit. Yeah. Yeah. With the employee discount, which is getting better. Okay. But which can only be accessed via the Hudson's Bay, uh, their Hudson's Bay MasterCard or just regular credit card. Right. That, 
That's very intriguing. You'd think they would want to put you in a position where you need to buy a suit almost immediately. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and the other thing, and this is just an issue for me personally. Um, we did have a one-day sale on Calvin Klein suits. And they're, I think they're regular normally about uh, 600 bucks or so. They're 100% okay. wool. They're very nice. Mm-hmm. But they don't fit my shoulders. No matter what, they don't fit. Well, they're they're whole suits. So mm-hmm. the way that works is the chest will be eight inches off the uh, waist measurement. Right. And so my chest is 44, which puts me at a 38 waist, which I'm not always. It depends on how quite how sedentary I am at the time. Yeah, sure. But like sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. But the problem is you do a 44 and so what happens is the suit kind of, this makes for great radio, what I'm about to describe, but the suit Mm kind of goes off your shoulder tangentially with the shoulder pads right? and then the fabric drops to meet your arm. Mm -hmm. But what happens with me is my shoulder just pokes out at that fabric a little bit and that's not a nice fit. It Mm -hmm. causes dimpling up top between the shoulder pad and the actual uh, arm and it just right. it doesn't look nice so 44 jacket fits my chest perfectly doesn't look nice on my shoulders so i bump up to a 46 and it fits my shoulders but i'm swimming just a little bit through my chest and once you get down to the waist i'm swimming even more right and then it's a 40 pant which it's just too much is yeah i'm 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 definitely swimming in that one right <sighs> they have a thing and this is my last suit yeah they have a thing called suit separates where you can get pants and a jacket separately they do but like the suit sale was like 179 down from 600 wow and the suit separates we're not that discounted. Uh, you you know what you could do? You could get two full suits for a lot less than you would. Find another weirdly proportioned person and sell them the ones you don't need. Just on Kijiji. Hey, I got a I got a 44 jacket and a 40 pant. Who's in? Yeah. Somebody who is like very that, moderately yeah. proportioned. Yeah. Very uh very stick shaped. Hmm. I've thought very. for a while about starting a business. This is tangential, but related. This would be prim- primarily focused on shoes, mm-hmm. and I would allow people to tr- to wear to pick and wear whatever two shoes they wanted in my store, no matter the size. Because normally people aren't exactly the same size in both feet, or not normally, but sometimes. And yeah. for me, for instance, I'm somewhere between a half size and a full size different, and uh, so people could just. In the end, it'll all average out. I wouldn't lose any money by not having, by not like by selling one shoe at a time as opposed to selling them together. But it just makes sense to me, especially if people have issues like for a long time. Sometimes I still have it depending on the shoe, but where my my toe on my right foot will wear out, like my toe on the instep will wear out way faster than on the other on my left shoe. Mm. And so I would, in theory, go through right shoes faster than I would left shoes. And it'd be nice to be able to just go pick up a right shoe when you need one. 
Yeah. I was going to say, I know that some places will let you mix and match the shoes a little bit. You're saying this business already exists. I don't think they let you pick up individual shoes, though. Oh, okay. So maybe? Hmm. I would call it the other shoe or (laughs) on the other foot. The (laughs) other shoe. Some shoe-related pun. (laughs) I've thought a lot. Really big shoe, maybe. Yes. (laughs) Oh dear, Uh, Nick. Underemployment. I I feel like this deserves probably an entire episode on its own, but I don't think we'll do that. Everybody I talk to who is under the well, not everybody. Okay, let's say. Between 50 and 75% of people I talk to our age say that the 25 to 30 bracket is at least 50 to 75% underemployed. I would say that's accurate. And I don't know if that's a failure of sort of society to to over-educate people or if it is just a symptom of the baby boomers being unwilling to leave their jobs and retire but it seems like it's a problem that it seems fairly recent and i don't know i it just it's very depressing to hear all these people we had an interview on ottawa that came out this morning uh with a person who is they went to school for some i forget what it was now something to do with literature or psychology or something related to that and I'm sure Miss Poirier will be so happy to know that you don't remember what she does. I would just honestly have to look it up. It'd be very easy, okay. yeah, sure. but it's just not right in front of me. Because uh-huh. um, we talked about so much stuff after that. We always talk about the thing. You're such right a wonderful host. I remember a lot about the interview, just not that one particular detail. Anyways. Oh, okay. Um, but in, and so it strikes me as being very similar to me. I have a master's degree and right now I'm not working, but I've been working in government completely unrelated to my studies or my sort of core desires for job Mm. and i don't know you're you're the same way how do you feel about it i've been trying to get into inspection for this will almost be it's it's getting on two years anyway and Mm -hmm. that said i'm i have a strong suspicion i might be the health and safety rep for my floor now. Oh, that's odd. Yeah. Um, we had an ex- inspection coming up, and like in my interview, I asked my boss what the health and safety culture at the Bay was like. And, you know, they, they do a lot of stuff. It's good. They try yeah. and keep open lines of communication, which is something that's a good thing. And she asked, because uh, she was being moved to a new floor, the men's floor. And she looked at me and said, could you help me with all the like the audits and stuff like that? I was like, I would love to. I actually really, because that's one thing I found I do like doing, is I like helping with the health and safety things that are done. Sure. Mm-hmm. Fun story, I once initiated a, department, a department-wide review of their storage practices at Western. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, totally. Um, 
But so I, I started doing this audit two days ago. What day is it now? Today is Thursday. Really? Yeah. Man, my week has just flown by. So Tuesday <laughs> I'm doing this, uh, you know, I'm doing this audit and my boss comes up and says, so, uh, you in tomorrow? It's like, I'm not scheduled to be. She's like, the meeting's tomorrow. I'm like, the meeting. Could, could you come in tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you pay me, sure. She goes, oh, of course, absolutely. <laughs> and so on what was to be my day off, I ended up being in there for three hours. And mm-hmm. our meeting was like an hour. And then I spent the next hour like catching up with things that weren't labeled properly. Nice. Like even if they had a, uh, you know, a workplace label, it didn't actually say much on it. Mm-hmm. Or it was like the workplace label with don't move from this section written on it. Right. And it's like, it's not what they're for. <laughs> So I, yeah, I've got them all labeled. Got I, I managed to get space to put the first aid instructions on there. Pretty That's good. That's good. I I really enjoyed yesterday. That's encouraging, at least. Yeah, I, I told everyone you're like ten to twenty percent safer now. <laughs> at least. Yeah i I've decided after kind of tiptoeing around things of the like people tend to keep their their employment status close to the chest mm-hmm. if they have an interview or something or if they're looking for a job or whatever but after kind of tiptoeing around that conversation with lots of people over the last i mean let's say three years i think it's easier and way like it leaves you with a way better feeling to just talk about all this stuff like completely in the open. Well, and honestly, it's a good way to try and work your network. Yeah. Like I have my job at the Bay cause you know, I was talking to friends about not having a job and they were like, Oh, do you want to work at the Bay? Cause it could totally get you in there. Yeah. And here I am. And I'm at least making some money. <laughs> How, like you, in the earlier in the fall, you were writing a non-destructive testing test, right? Yep. What? Still have you waiting. Anything from that? That's crazy, Nick. That is just literally crazy. How? How has that not come back yet? Uh, well, Rob. <laughs> I mean, you work in government, and I have worked in government, and I, you know, really prided myself on trying to get results while I was there. I'm sure you were the same. Mm-hmm. But government tends to have a reputation of not being terribly fast. It's true. And here we are months later. What's funny is uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours who won't be named here mm-hmm. said, Oh, man, I totally used to mark those. I would absolutely try and get yours to the top of the pile if I didn't know that that would immediately get it sent to the bottom of the pile. <laughs> How how would that happen? That's like, oh, you want me to mark this one first, eh? Well, now I'm marking it last. Is that what you want? Are you happy now? Are they doing these like once a week? <laughs> I don't know. I guess a lot of people are writing CETO. Either that or the election came up and then 
as happens in other departments, they were just like, well, we're not doing anything now. Right. That makes sense. <sighs> yeah, I had a, I wrote an exam for, speaking of a transition to politics, wrote an exam for NSERC last Friday morning. And this is a policy job. And the this show, the fact that this show exists prepared me perfectly for that exam. Um, basically, I had to take a scenario. The scenario was the day after the election, and I had to write a briefing about the results of the election. And we happened to discuss a lot uh, to do with science policy uh, in the immediate, what do you call the, the pre-math and the aftermath of the election? What do you okay. call right before something when the like what's the opposite of aftermath? The the preamble, the not preamble, the lead up? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Anyways, we talked about the science side of things, we talked about the politics side of things, and I worked at NSERC for like a year very close to this job that this other job. And so I feel like I, I have no idea how well I did because I've I've done what I felt like was very poorly on tests and passed them. And I've done what I felt like was very well on tests and failed them. So I have no idea what to expect because they're marked on pretty obscure rubrics, but mm. I feel pretty good about it. And it was right up my alley and the job seems to be right in my wheelhouse. So I'm hoping that uh, that works out. That'd be great. Yeah. But it, uh, it, it's very strange. I haven't another interview tomorrow. And the whole process of interviewing, it just seems like asking young people to prove themselves before giving them very little responsibility or training is kind of odd. Yeah. And people didn't have to go through that before. Like we're, we're really, not we, but the, of the last 10 years or so, the first generation that's really kind of had to prove themselves with data and with kind of all this information to back up. Because in the in the age before the internet, it was the only way to get a job was to kind of network and know people. And now they have these other ways, which are basically getting in the way of the typical job. Because again, like still, even even though the internet exists, most people are getting jobs just through networking or knowing someone or already being in the company. It's yeah. just it, it's very odd the whole process. And then I don't know. The internet seems to have given rise to this paradigm in which. They say, okay, give us your cover letter, letter and resume. Also, mm. we want them formatted exactly this way. <laughs> also, here's a questionnaire in which you fill out everything on your resume and cover letter so that our bot can search through it and exclude yeah. you. And it is that. Also, I'm going to follow you up with a phone call that was this exact survey. <laughs> and then we might have you in for an interview. Yeah. It's like there's... There's a lot of redundancy here, guys. There's a lot of computers in the way of any individual person getting a job the the new way of with the internet being involved. Mm -hmm. And not only that, when you get when you're talking about at least government employment, the the tendency is now, oh, we'll hire this person for three months or for six months or even maybe a year. But we're not going to give them any job security for that time. And at any moment, they could just be gone. And yeah. we'll find someone else to do that. Mm -hmm. Or in, in my case, we may not even find someone to do that. And it may just not get done. 
and that was great yeah just get a phone call six months after a job like hey why isn't this done (laughs) well (laughs) i don't um, know if you noticed but i wasn't around (laughs) it's like here's the thing um you stopped paying me so i stopped coming into work it's the craziest thing (laughs) i'm still honestly i'm trying to still follow up with that because i don't really feel like i did anything wrong and yet um here we are six weeks later i feel like and i've now been blackballed but who knows because blacklisted completely opaque well blacklisted blackballed blackballed is also a thing blacklisted i mean blacklisted is definitely a thing but blackballed is also a thing blackballed hopefully not blueballed definitely not blueballed um (laughs) glad to hear it Maybe, hmm, I'm finding the official definition of blackball seems to be something slightly different, but uh, the top definition of blackball in Urban Dictionary is to conspire to ruin someone's reputation until they become unemployable and people refuse to associate with them. That's the one I'm referring to. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. The other ones on Urban Dictionary are all very sexual. (laughs) Shocking. Absolutely (laughs) shocking. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you, uh, you have in the notes here you want to talk about the Syrian refugees. And I assume Canada's role in that. Yeah. I mean, we could go with what was to be our first talking point, but we could talk about that, too. We can do whatever you'd like, Nick. This is your show. I'm just here. I thought it was also your show. What are the power dynamics here? Also, <laughs> okay. why am I even here? Hashtag <laughs> unwind walkout. hashtag overthrow rob this is your own fault is this your like little pittance like here nick you can be the leader of this show then you won't need to overthrow me doesn't that make you happy that's not what happened at all so much nicer (laughs) isn't it in this tyrannical dictatorship that is unwind media i feel like you're taking the public knowledge that at least when it comes to future chat you were asked to not be there the week you were sick, whereas in reality... I told was, you that I was not feeling well and I didn't think I would be able to attend for reasons. Exactly. Then you went on the air and were like, yeah, Nick's been banned. Temporarily, while you were sick, because because of sound effects. Oh, that's funny, because you never told me I was banned, Rob. That's great. <laughs> I'm glad this is what set this whole thing up. You are putting the dick in dictatorship, Rob. Yeah, it's completely, completely unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what, Nick? Now we're not going to talk about the Syrian refugees yet. Fine. Uh, you know what? Maybe I won't come back to future chat either. Maybe I'll <laughs> sit here in my little fiefdom within the dictatorship. <laughs> How is that any better? You're just a sub-dictator. <laughs> Have Matt on. Start putting my sh- put my side stories on vodka and equations again. <laughs> I mean, you could do that to like a quarter of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, before we go back to politics, I wanted to talk about the other thing that is coming up, and that is Christmas. Um, you you used to when you were living in Ottawa. You you would go home for Christmas every year. Oh, I went home a lot. And well, yeah, but Christmas specifically, other holidays like you would take 
Oh, the high holidays just, I was mm. home. Yeah. And I have probably on average since I left Calgary gone home every two years. And and you didn't come home last year. No, I did not. But my parents came listeners here. Cannot, listeners cannot see my face going, huh? <laughs> it seems it seems really silly to book a cross-country flight a cross-country return flight for a few days at home uh when i am currently unemployed and why and, would you uh, want to see so, mike uh, or i why would you want to do an on-location future chat where all of us were in one place at one time yeah exactly what possible benefit could be there you know you wouldn't have to sync the tracks right i would really never have to sync the tracks other than very minimally but basically um if i go and look right now at flights from ottawa to calgary round trip they are this is a month out now and they're actually cheaper than they used to be but it's still 630 dollars for the overnight flight and closer to 700 750 for a regular human that would actually want to take a flight flight um note on that you get so much lower radiation dosage on the red eyes. I mean, you're talking about from the sun? Uh, that and, well, yeah, from the sun, basically. But, I mean, have you ever looked at a YouTube video of, like, someone with, uh, not a Geiger counter, but a survey meter? Mm-hmm. Similar sort of thing, just different yeah. mechanics. They take one of those on a plane with them, and you look at the dosage during a day flight, and then they go, so I would have to stop work like now if I was on the ground and doing work. Because you, right, you, you reach your daily radiation limit just so quickly in a plane. Yeah, but... You also, the limits are very low on purpose so that you, because these people are working every day as opposed to a flight, which in general you wouldn't, you'd take every, like you wouldn't be there every day. You would, I mean, some people, yeah. business well, people take flights all the time, but. Long and short, a lot of pilots are sterile because of the yeah. radiation dose they receive. And at least one stewardess I know, she purposefully went for the night flights so huh. that she would get the lower radiation dosage. That seems odd because it's my understanding it's not necessarily gamma rays that do it. It's particle, it's high energy particles in our upper atmosphere, right? Well, radiation just. Did you know that gamma rays or Here's a question for you. What's the difference between a gamma ray and an x-ray, Rob? The energy. Did you know that's that... not true at all? What do you mean? I mean it it it's That's an, what it's I said. No, but it's an arbitrary distinction, but there's a there's a, a considered line. So um, the standard physics definition is that a gamma ray is from a nuclear source and an X-ray is from something else. So a gamma ray specifically comes from a nuclear decay or whatever process. And an X-ray can come from, you know, whatever else. But an usually accelerating electrons industrially it's astronomy where they have that line and they say you know in space space <laughs> they 
they're likely to come from nuclear process above this threshold mm-hmm. and below it's probably something else. And so but that's no, where they get the something else. What from? do you mean? That's that's garbage. What is this something else <laughs> happening out there? I well, like uh, Bremsstrahlung radiation. Right, but that how is that not a nuclear process? All that's going on out there is star a, formation and that's an accelerating electron instead of like a a thing fusing or right. But they're all the same fundamental particles. That that distinction to me. Yeah, yeah. The photons are exactly the same, but they try and make a distinction based on the origin of the particle. And I totally got a question wrong on one of my in a CETO class, and I was like, "What do you mean it's not based on their energy?" They're like, "Yeah, it's based on their source." I'm like, "Okay." In one specific domain. No, it's like physics. I looked it up. It's a standard physics definition. And so that was an area in which I was like, okay, this is stupid, but I'm going to remember to say it this way for the tests. Yeah, exactly. It is stupid. Slam down the paper. I would be like, sure, you get to take a point off. Congratulations. (laughs) You're still, this still isn't helping me You wouldn't say that to him though, because he's such a nice guy. David, uh, I want to say Swan. Super nice guy. So you you'd never get angry with them, but so wait, yeah. it says here like this seems like a a real ish website trying to actually come up with import like real things. This isn't some made up site saying that gamma rays cause more harm to the human body than X rays. Gamma rays have shorter wavelengths than X rays. X rays are emitted by electrons outside the nucleus, and gamma rays are emitted by the excited nucleus itself. X-rays used in hospitals, but gamma rays are not. Like this, yes, it has to do with the fact that it's an electron. But you could, like, you and I know that easily you could build an X-ray tube or a synchrotron or something to generate photons that are much more higher or much higher energy than gamma rays. They wouldn't be much higher energy than gamma rays. They would be, and like gamma rays can be variable, variable uh, energies themselves because, like. I think it's selenium has a much lower gamma ray energy than cobalt does. Selenium mm-hmm. 75 and cobalt 60. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. So like you'll see these sweeping generalizations because they're like, Oh, all of this is nuclear and this comes from an x-ray tube. And it's like, you know, the, the x-ray tube is not the only source of x-rays that we have. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously there, there's a synchrotron here in Canada that, could presumably generate gamma rays if it if it wanted to. I'm not sure that well, it does. Well, well, X-rays in the gamma ray range of intensity, or not <laughs> intensity, energy. Much Honestly, higher intensity. I have only ever heard it defined in terms of the amount of energy. You can call it whatever you want, but that makes it a useless distinction. Because all it does, like, obviously that's why astronomy has the definition the other way. Because otherwise, if you're looking out in space, you're like, Oh, hey, there's a, a thing with a certain amount of energy. We have no way of knowing whether it's a gamma ray or an X-ray. Look, photons. Look, a ray. <laughs> I, that, that's so weird. Yeah, it's the weirdest, stupidest thing. I just, man, physics, get it together. Come on. This one also says uh, X-ray frequencies vary from 30 pet- petahertz to 30 exahertz, and gamma rays are above 10 to the 19 hertz, which is, I think... Why in God's name would you be using hertz in that range? Because they're frequencies. I mean, they're, they're frequencies compared 
Yeah, but nobody uses the frequencies. Well, what what would you use? Wavelength. wavelength? Yeah. It's all the same. Is it? Is it? Literally, yes. (laughs) Assuming we're talking about a vacuum, which I believe we are. The wavelength, you can figure out penetration better because, (laughs) like, Faraday cage things. Uh, I mean, fine, but you can get... The look, and dis- the look of disdain in your eyes right now. Yeah, but we're we're talking about like gamma rays can penetrate more deeply than say visible light. Yes, be- because otherwise, why would this be bad for you other than just skin cancer? But also, like, so obviously. The depth of penetration does vary based on the wavelength, Giggity. but it also varies based on the energy differently than the wavelength. Because if something has this massive amount of energy, it will have more penetrating power. Well, energy and wavelength being related, unless you're referring to intensity and yeah, that's intensity. not the case. Right. Amplitude. You don't get, in, you don't get increased uh increased penetration from increased intensity what would the what would or the, like not not a higher rate of penetration no not a higher rate no just a higher likelihood no yeah. i don't even well i mean I'm, I'm, yeah if a photon has a one in one thousand chance of making it through something and instead of increasing energy you just increase the number of photons dramatically yes you will get more mm-hmm. out on the other side just as a pure function of numbers yeah like I'm thinking of if you crank up the gain on a radio transmitter, you would get more penetration. Or if you turned up your the power on a Wi-Fi router, you'd get better signal throughout your house, even because it's going through walls better. But yeah, yeah, because you're throwing more photons at the problem. Exactly. You can't change the frequency that much, or no, it's not can't. gonna recognize it anymore. Yes, I understand it. This is. A massive divergence, Nick. How did we get here? <laughs> I, what were we talking about? Christmas. <laughs> oh yeah, flights. Christmas. <laughs> nice. Uh, so you're not coming here. That's what I. That's what I'm hearing. Right. Yeah. That's upsetting. It it's upsetting, but also I feel like, and I've always said this. Uh, my parents know this that I don't go home to celebrate christmas i go home to see my family and i don't like it flights are always more expensive at christmas there's all kinds of extenuating things everyone's trying to fly at christmas that does tend to be the time when people get time off so but long that's and really short, the only reason long and short i'd rather go in the summer yeah well i'd rather go in the summer or at any time that isn't a peak flight season oh man i would totally go to ontario in the fall again to go leafing yeah I assume, stemming from this conversation, I assume you're not, you're also not going home for Christmas. I am not going home for Christmas, no. How does your family tend to feel about that? Uh, I mean, I don't think they're jumping for joy over it, but they understand. Mm -hmm. Because, for instance, my mom called me, I, I spent probably 45 minutes to an hour with my mom on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, um fixing her email Mm -hmm. 
And so we just, we talk all the time and I taught her video chat like first year of university. So basically I just talk to them and see them whenever I want, but I just can't hug them or, or physically spend time with them. But that's really all we're missing out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also enjoy the activities that I do with my family. Yeah, sure. But uh, very expensive. Doesn't seem like a good idea in my current economic climate. Also, according to employment insurance regulations, I need to be available to work. <laughs> Although technically I could do work there. So I was going to say I am available wash. to work. Yeah. I can work here. <laughs> Uh, okay, we we can talk about the Syrian refugees now. I feel like they've waited long enough. Oh, bless you, Rob. Thank you. I really appreciate this, you know. Hmm. Totally fight for you when the next king comes along. That'd be great. Thank you. No worries. Unless it's Matt. Right? Mm, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so are you up on the Syrian refugees? What's going on with that? I'm staying up as much as I can. They're trying to bring them in, but probably not going to get many in before 2016. Well, the other thing was that the attacks in Paris happened. Yeah. And all of a sudden there were all these uh, concerns being raised. Yeah. So the liberals committed to having 25,000 before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And after the Paris attacks, uh, what was it? Vote Compass, I think, actually, or Vox or some polling company or a company that was doing some polling. They noted a dramatic shift in the opinion of, in the opinions of Canadians. Right. In that they were much, much less likely to say, oh, yeah, just bring them in, whatever. And they were more likely yeah. to say, you know, make sure that you really do the security screenings well beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so they've said, you know, it's basically they've basically moved the deadline back a month because right. they've said, you know, we can't do all this and do it to whatever standards and have them here before Christmas. Right. And just, Which makes sense. You know, just not going to happen. Yeah. And that's fine. And there's been little to no uproar about that because it was done due to a massive shift in public opinion. Right. But the other thing they've said and that I'm critical of is that they don't want single Muslim men or single Muslim men, I guess, Syrians. Yeah. I don't know if they make a distinction based on religion. But they don't want single men coming over. Single men without families. Yep. And I see why they're doing it, but I don't like it. Because, I mean, say for whatever reason that you and I needed to flee Canada. Yeah. Like, I guess the communists were getting uppity and really upset with the bourgeoisie. Not that we are the bourgeoisie, but maybe no. they had it in for people that liked science. And so as members of the future chat chatters, um, you, Mike, and I have bullseyes on our backs. Right. So we had to get out. I mean, 
Mike, yeah, he's got a wife and a child. They'd be like, yeah, that's cool. Come on over. Mm-hmm. But, well, I guess I'm also common law now. But, I mean... I mean, I'm also married now, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of forgot that things happened. <laughs> okay, say that, you know, Jim Bob, other future chatter... Or Matt, mm. say Matt was here for whatever reason. And he wanted to get out. What's he going to do? Yeah. Like, I don't think Matt's going to be radicalized and want to kill people. Because that doesn't sound right. like Matt. No. But what is what? Are, what are they supposed to do? Like, I'm sure there are men that want to get out because they fear for their lives. Yeah. And I think they are allowing uh, homosexuals to come over because they... You know that sure ISIS isn't big big on homosexuality, mm-hmm. but in absence of other reasons, they're they're just you know not coming over. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan. I don't. No, I, I don't like. I it. don't think that's a very good process, especially. I hadn't heard the the homosexual exception, which seems like I think that's there. I'll try and yeah. Google it quickly. So. I find it really odd because I, I've always been, I've been saying this since this whole thing started. You can't like, nobody is saying they want extremists to be brought into our country. And nobody is saying that anybody who isn't a refugee should be brought into the country. But we want to be able to accept any and all refugees. And the the sticking point should be, how do we tell these people apart? Because it, it is very difficult. Someone can very easily pretend to be uh, a refugee and not actually be one. But everyone's getting caught up in saying, should we let refugees in? Obviously, the answer is yes, we should let ref- refugees in. The, this, the only discussion topic should be how do we tell, how can you tell? And The radicalized with, from the non-radicalized. Exactly. How, how do you tell apart if you bring a family across? You bring children and uh, two adults. Yeah, maybe the family is radicalized. Yeah, how do maybe how lone would you know? women are radicalized? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're often subjugated, so I don't know how yeah. often that would happen. But you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's technically possible. It, yeah, it seems fairly straightforward. If because they are very savvy to these methods of of doing things, and but also our government and governments around the world are very good at screening these people they're mm-hmm. like it's not an easy process to be designated a refugee that's my understanding anyway yeah that that's every indication we've been given and also the lack of refugees or the lack of sorry the lack of extremists committing terrorist acts outside of kind of isis fighting ground is non-existent i would say with maybe a, a small asterisk i might not be aware of that it doesn't happen. You're much more likely to get a Christian extremist committing violent acts than you are a Muslim extremist or any other type of extremist in North America. Or just, you know, extreme or just terrorists just because. Right. But yeah, so I don't like it. And Mm -hmm. this is based off, an episode of stuff you should know great podcast 
We should shout them out publicly. We just did. Clearly they need the boost, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> we have dozens of listeners, dozens. <laughs> um, but they did a episode on racial profiling and they said that racial profiling really does a disservice to, to, you know, whatever, uh, administrative force mm. because I guess the general advice is you shouldn't profile based on race. You yeah. should profile based on shady behavior. Absolutely. And that, yeah, obviously. And, yeah. So like maybe it should matter less whether or not they like to put penises inside them. And it should matter more if they like to put bombs other places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, uh, I just want to point out, I'm here on the iTunes charts right now on, for podcasts. The number one podcast in the iTunes directory. Can you guess what it is? This American Life. Nope, that's number four. Serial? It is stuff you should know. Oh. Serial <laughs> is number six. I remember for a while they they were always coming up second to yeah. This American Life. And they yeah. talked about it on the show. Rats. And that obviously put them over the top. Clearly. Yeah. But obviously this is a very difficult situation. Nobody is trying to say that this is an easy thing. And, and anyone who says we just shouldn't let any refugees in, we shouldn't let anyone external in, is short-sighted and... Kind of forgetting trying... the bulk of Canadian history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The like bulk I, of all history. I'm pretty sure my, like, some of, at least some of my ancestors came to Canada because of the Irish potato famine. Mm -hmm. And that's... They were seeking refuge. Yeah, I mean... There was a famine. <laughs> yeah. I And I was going to say we let them in, but granted, they weren't happy about it. Right, like, exactly. Irish need not apply signs and stuff like that. Also begat the Bytown Brawls. Interesting little bit of Ottawa history that I have found nowhere other than on Doors Open Days. In which Ottawa was dominated by Francophone lumberjacks because mm -hmm. it was a lumber town before it became the capital. Yeah. And a bunch of Irish showed up looking for work and the Francophones were very insular and they didn't want the Irish taking their jobs. Yeah. And so the Irish being unemployed and not having a whole lot to do tended to drink and then get angry and then fight the Francophones. And right. that begat the Bytown brawls. Interesting this, period of Ottawa history. It sounds like a regular thing. Yeah, people got drunk and angry and fought a lot for huh. a while. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't see, see that happening anymore, at least not in that kind of <laughs> kind of cut-and-dry way where you have one group fighting against another group, I guess is positive. I guess? Yep. I mean, so, when you can cut down on violence in the streets, it's usually a good thing. Yes. I would say that's unequivocally true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can agree to that. Yeah, but I, uh, I would be willing to. I've, I've been looking honestly for for a way to 
talk about this in in the least political and least religious way possible. It just like refusing to allow people to escape from a violent extremist essentially i don't even know how it's run structure wise but it seems like either a dictatorship or a on what do they call it oligarchy where it's just a few people making decisions and deciding kind of what direction the the group is going to go why wouldn't you people who want to escape from that why wouldn't you take them in given that their whole goal is to kind of scare people in those areas, in those countries, and cause them to become, I guess, disenfranchised with their current political power. Mm. And isn't that we've always done? Been like, hey, don't like the terrible place you're living? Come on down. Yeah, that I mean that that's been if if there has ever been a Canadian dream, that has been it. Yeah. I would say, you know, in the Statue of Liberty, it it didn't say this originally, but it says, "Give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free." Mm-hmm. We've basically been doing that too. Yep, I would say we've been. Mm, I don't even know if we've been more successful, but we've definitely been successful in in doing that. But that being said, every generation has had to fight against people who didn't want it to happen when they themselves were the generation that kind of benefited from coming here. Yeah, yeah. Those immigrants, they'll take our jobs, you know. Never (laughs) mind that they will also be spending money and contributing to the local economy. Yeah. There's there's that fixed number of jobs, Rob. Doesn't change. Not, Not now, not ever. Especially not if more people come. That's true. The Tim Hortons That's that true. exist will just get busier. <laughs> there will be no new Tim Hortons. Is <laughs> that really seems to be a Canadian thing? Just love our coffee. We excluding me. I was going to say, week. except for you, I actually watched the uh, Ask Rob video again. Not long oh, ago. Oh yeah, should do that. I haven't watched it in a while. Nick, uh, how about we switch gears here and talk about uh, something that just happened this morning? I don't even know if you looked at this at all. I posted a link. I have uh, not looked at this. So they've updated this article um, with it used to have it used to be home to a live video. Now it's home to an article about what the live video was talking about to do with the Canadian Senate. Uh, the Liberals, if as you'll recall, made a pledge to reform the Senate to hopefully put an end to partisan appointments and make it at least somewhat, if not democratic, at least make it fact-based and evidence-based and, and merit-based who the new senators will be. And apparently there are a bunch of new Senate or a bunch of Senate vacancies. Yes, there are are a lot. They announced that they're going to be over there. They're overhauling the appointment process. And they're appointing a committee of, there will be a total of five people for each Senate vacancy, uh, Mm -hmm. or at least for each Senate panel. Uh, Three of the members will be constant and nonpartisan. And then two, if if I'm remembering correctly, because I was just watching this live, there'll be two more 
uh, ad hoc members from the province that the the senator is being appointed to. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a bunch of different uh, categories and criteria for senators. For the first five, apparently there are five that they value that they've targeted as being high priority. So they're going to test this out, this method out with the first five, two in Ontario, two in Manitoba, and one in Quebec. And then so that's the kind of transition period. And then they're going to take any lessons learned from those five appointments with this five-person thing. And then they're going to make uh, suggestions for a permanent process. And uh, I, I really like this. Uh, they're talking about making sure that there's regional uh, representation, making sure there's gender representation, and making sure there's ethnic representation in the Senate. And basically with this five-person committee for each for each appointment, the five-person committee will recommend five names, a, a little short list for the prime minister and the cabinet to make an appointment. So technically there will still be an appointment, but it will be from a short list of five cons- people who are considered qualified by an independent committee so they can... They can choose whoever they want. And after these five, after this, this first five uh, high priority uh, appointments, they are going to be opening up the process so that literally any person can, any Canadian can be considered for a Senate seat. Might not even be Canadian, but I feel like it would be. It's, uh, it's very strange. And so basically the, the four main criteria for Senate appointments are a record of achievement in community service or professional work, uh, a record of ethics and integrity, bringing perspective to the Senate that as an independent institution and understanding the constitutional framework of the Senate, which is pretty, yeah, it does say, it does say here Canadians, uh, being a Canadian citizen is also a requirement, but it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Having heard that, does anything jump out at you? It's, it's another thing where the new government has just done something and I go, yeah, that's it's a good idea. Yeah. I'm I'm still not terribly pleased with what they're doing with the Syrian refugees like lone males. I did some live follow up. They are accepting uh gay men. Okay. Cuz you can't lie about that, right? That's just one of those you things. You can't. They're obviously going to have a very what? rigorous testing process where they ensure you the- are gay through some sort of mechanism. Are you familiar with the fruit machine? Uh, no. I believe it was either the RCMP or CSIS. Probably the RCMP because I don't know that CSIS existed yet. Um, it was a machine that was designed to detect homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was during the Cold War when people were worried that, you know, people, someone would be blackmailed because of their homosexuality. Right. So they, they made you take a a gay test before doing whatever. I'm not sure. Hmm. Long and short, we don't use it anymore. I'm embarrassed. We ever used it. If I can be honest. Yeah. Uh, me too. It sounds less reliable than a lie detector test. Um, <sighs> I'm going to say it might be more reliable. Interesting. Yeah. What did it measure. I think pupil dilation and blood flow to the genitals while showing people various erotic pictures. Hmm. That's if I'm recalling correctly, that's what they did. 
this seems like really just a test of gender sec or sexuality fluidity more than anything else. Something like that. Is it like if it moves at all? <laughs> There's you like are an gay? absolute cutoff on the Kinsey scale. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> the like testing criteria is four and no more, or something like that. Yeah. What if? How would you? I I still Higher think that's two really unreliable. Do. <laughs> yeah. No, it's ridiculous. You're just sitting there, like trying not to think, like trying to think about sandwiches or baseball. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, Should you would think. Like- I don't know about you, but I would think an adult male or female, whatever, would be able to look at an erotic picture and not become aroused if they needed to, or even if they wanted to, or even if they were in an interrogation room hooked up to a bunch of sensors. <laughs> I I mean, I guess it depends on whether or not your hips lie. It's true. (laughs) Shakira, Shakira, (laughs) depending on her sexuality, would just fail easily because her hips don't lie. Exactly. Yeah. Such a weird. um, Trying to test anything as though it's black and white is never going to work. A gayicity chart. Ah, oh, that's so weird. Yeah, there. Uh, there's also apparently the first thing they're going to do in when Parliament sits again. I I forget if it's the Senate or, or Parliament. They they have to name the speakers as well. Mm-hmm. One of the major, one of the I guess preliminary primary candidates for Speaker of the House of Parliament was. Maurice Belanger, he's the candidate, the liberal uh, candidate from my writing. And he just found out that he has uh, ALS. Like oh. shortly after the election, he was diagnosed. And one of the first things it does is take out your uh, vocal, uh, whether whether it targets your vocal cords or just your ability to successfully make loud sound. Um, pretty devastating. And he's going to, stick around but obviously he's not going to be able to be speaker of the house mm. it's uh yeah pretty pretty rough news he's been an mp for a really really long time in uh, ottawa vanier mm. that's it's not great news no you never like to hear about people who have done i mean obviously he's done a good job because he keeps getting reelected, but you never like to hear about that kind of thing happening to someone who is pretty much universally loved in, in parliament. Yeah. It's, it's uh, hard to have schadenfreude with super nice people. Right. Yeah. And just sure. outrageously tragic circumstances. Yeah. I mean, he, he, like he, he was elected and we just got in our mailbox, a little thank you message and pledge to continue to serve the, the writing in every capacity he can and nice little message. And then it was like a couple days after that earlier this week that the news came out. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, I guess in theory we should wrap up soon. I do want to talk a little bit about we're, we're coming up. There's about a week or two week and a half till we hit the one year anniversary of this show. 
but also you have a tweet here that you put in that you wanted that you thought it would be interesting to discuss and i also think it'd be very interesting to discuss maybe before we do that yeah i i was gonna say i'm really not sure how much discussion there is to come of it Mm -hmm. but kent Hare, minister of veterans affairs associate minister of national defense and guy i worked with oh where'd that tweet go it's terrible because I actually have the link, but I'm insisting on going through the feed for it. Um, Kent Hare has expressed his solidarity with Stoya. Mm-hmm. And for listeners that might not know, Stoya is a pornographic a- actress. Mm-hmm. And... She has alleged that former partner and also porn star James Dean raped her at one point. Mm-hmm. And so Kent's tweet is that fear too often silences the many. It's when the few stand up, we hear the truth. Never be afraid to speak out. Hashtag solidarity with Stoya. Hashtag Canadian Polly. Or CDN Polly, however you pronounce that. Yeah. So... I mean, I believe that this is the first time that a Canadian politician has expressed solidarity with a porn star. Yeah. I, w- I would think so. Former porn star at this point. Yeah. She's also now a journalist. She's a columnist for, a, oh, what site is it? I'm going to get it wrong if I don't look it up. She writes an uh, advice column for, uh, I'll find it later. But yeah, um, she's. We should point out she's one of. I think there's seven women in total that have now said this. That oh, said this. I did not catch that. Yeah, very. There's a a lot that goes into this, and it, I mean, this profession tends to get um, belittled and even though pretty much everyone has at least some knowledge of it, people tend to look down on people in, in porn. Yeah. But it, and sort of think that, I mean, the, the obvious thing here is the obvious thought here that most people will jump to is, Oh, well, she obviously wanted it. She's a porn star. There's no like, and it just seems like, how can it's you like your profession doesn't negate your ability to say no. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. And I mean, oh, you know what? I'm going to pull a toplessness thing again. I don't think we've talked about prostitution on the show yet. Have we? I don't think so. No, but I've really wanted to talk about that for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, um, cause the Supreme court right now, is or no they have ruled that canada's prostitution laws are unconstitutional because under the criminal code there is nothing that prohibits uh actual prostitution okay but you are it is illegal to solicit so to actively say that you're trying to sell it it's illegal to purchase it, as far as I know. And it's, what is it? It's illegal to, like, 
live off the proceeds of it, and it's illegal to operate a body house, B-A-W-D-Y house. So the crux of the Supreme Court's justification was that prostitution is not illegal. But you have made everything around prostitution illegal. Yeah. And especially like the operation of a body house, some of those things are some of those things that you've outlawed could keep prostitutes safer. And if you haven't outlawed it, then you can't compromise the safety of these people. Right. From a legal standpoint. And that's exactly what's happening. And it's like saying that, you know, it's a legal profession. So they are no less deserving of the protection of the law than any other legal profession. Right. And I think it's like similar kind of thing with porn stars because, you know, they're both getting paid to have sex with people. It's just... There's a camera in, involved yeah. in one of them. And it's just, it's wrong. Yeah. And this There's, is also classic Kent. Like, he's well known at Servants Anonymous sure. like as having offered assistance to anyone that needs it. Right. Kind of thing. Huh. Yeah. There's a, there's a Family Guy episode. I've only ever seen the clip. I haven't seen the actual episode it's from. Where, like, I think it's like cops bust in to some hotel room or something and they're busting this prostitute with a guy and then he pulls out a camera. He's like, no, we're filming it. And they're like, all right, we'll see you later. <laughs> it, yeah. It's such a weird distinction to make. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. That's... It sucks that, like, these actresses, if the allegations are true, have had to deal with this kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. it's really terrible that they haven't been willing to speak up because there's so much shame involved when there shouldn't be any at all. Yeah. And, like, even anyone who's sexually assaulted. Yeah. It's... There's so much shame involved and people don't want to talk about it regardless of gender. Like, Yeah. Regardless of any kind of circumstance. And it's a shame that our society is structured in a way that, you know, people would have shame associated with that. Yeah. By the way, the, the publication, her, her column, her advice column is every two weeks on the verge. And, uh, so she takes questions and, uh, questions of a sexual nature and answers them it's pretty interesting i've i've not read all of them but i read them every once in a while when they come up interesting in my rss feed hmm. yeah yeah so i also have strong feelings on canada's prostitution laws right it seems that a profession that predates agriculture isn't going to go away anytime soon no and it- Man, maybe maybe regulate and tax it because yeah. I'm sure regulation would help. Like it would help offer offer protection to citizens in a particularly vulnerable state. Yeah. 
And yeah. The the fact that this profession probably tends to skew towards more females being involved, I think also probably has something to do with it. I think if it was if if men tended to be prostitutes more than women, you would probably find it reforming pretty quickly. Just like um if men got periods, there would be like medication and all this kind of stuff for it just all over the place. Like there'd be a pill for it already that you could just completely get rid of it. Like there, like there is for um, erectile dysfunction. And I, I know there are, obviously there's birth control pills, but I mean, you still get a period on birth control. Just talking about how with our male dominated culture, there's all kinds of things you don't even really think about every day that affect women that don't affect men because it's, the system is built that way. Yeah. Although I was going to say there are methods of contraception which will prevent you from getting a period for a very long time. Mm. Um, one being the IUD. Yeah. And I actually remember reading an article where a guy was saying, well, everyone should just get an IUD because it's not really that invasive a procedure. <laughs> are you kidding me? I was going to say I know a few people who have gotten an IUD and it's surgery yeah like they're they're in pretty rough shape for a while afterwards yeah like i can't i've obviously never have one not having a uterus Mm -hmm. but they're laid up for at least a day yeah it's it's not just a matter of taking a pill it's yeah it's not like oh yeah i just have an iud now i'm fine let's go for a jog it's it's not like that at all yeah and they're they're things are getting better obviously but it's taken an insanely long time and and this is just one of many things that where that comes up yeah yeah so uh well i guess unless you have more to say on any of the, the things we've discussed i feel like we can talk about I'm I'm very satisfied with a year of of East meets West. I this is the 13th episode. I feel like that's a good spot to be at after a year. We did half as many as promised, but only half as many as opposed to you know none at four. all. I guess. <laughs> also, I mean, for a good chunk of that time, my all my political, you know, energy was. It certainly had an outlet. Say yep. that. Yeah, exactly. I believe from May until October or June until October, there was just nothing. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um how do you how do you feel after a year? Um with East Meets West? Yeah. I don't know. I like it. I like doing it once every so often. It's nice having an outlet, especially when there's less work or no work. I I don't know what my life is going to become when I have, you know, employment that I can count on year to year and a family. Can you imagine? Wouldn't started. that be so nice? My life would be so different. Having <laughs> actual job security? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, but I'd like to think that I would keep doing this because it's a it's a very useful outlet, and at least in current form, it's pretty low stakes. 
But uh, get what are you to talking about, Rob? S- dozens of followers. Exactly. <laughs> but I like it. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I I enjoy having guests. I feel like yeah. we could have guests on a little more often, potentially. Yeah, the trouble is obvious. But yeah, recording equipment is rare. And schedules. Yeah. They're also an issue. Yeah, it's... It's fun. We've done 13. What what does that equate to? Like once a month? Yeah. Almost exactly once a month. Although we did like three or four in the weeks before and after the election and there's a three-month gap. That is true. Well, it was, it was a big week. <laughs> it was a big week. If there was ever a time that East meets West was needed. Yeah. Brief note yeah. before we leave, just... Small personal story that I thought was fun. Of course. Um, still doing the strength training thing. Yep. With chins and dips, just trying not to be outrageously sedentary and getting to that 40-inch waist. Sure. Um, receiving a lot of compliments at work. That's good. Like from random customers. <laughs> what? Guy, a- guy asked me if I did uh, martial arts. The other day, like oh, the hair. No, not at all. He's like, "Oh, you you look like you got the build for it." He's like, "Oh, stop." <laughs> like, I've had a couple. I think I've had a couple people ask me about my workout now. Okay, that's, that's interesting. So, mm-hmm. I mean, feels good, man. No kidding. Did I wanted to ask? Actually, I was I was curious. I didn't put it in the notes because it would have only taken one word. But uh, how's the Soylent thing going for you? Uh, actually, now that I'm working, it I consume so much more of it. Sweet. It's like, it is kind of sweet because I blend in the blueberries and the strawberries. <laughs> um, what kind of percentage of, of your intake is that? Uh, it depends on the day. It could be anywhere from like a fifth on a day where I just, you know, you wake up, you have some soylent, and you eat whatever for the rest of the day. Yeah. To, oh, God, I'm going to have, like, this really oddly timed shift in my day for eight hours. So I'll wake up, have soylent as per usual, mm-hmm. take some soylent for my break, come back home at lunch and grab more soylent. Right. Just, you know, because it's fast and nutritionally balanced, which is exactly why I like it. And on those days, it could be between 80 and 100%. I don't think I've had a a full 100% Soylent day so far. Like, I've usually had just something else, a little bit of something else. Mm -hmm. Anything that I could chew. But, uh, yeah, it gets gets pretty high some days. How about you? I am still at, let's say, 30 to 33% of calories. Maybe 25 to 33%. Uh, one day, I had it twice. But I don't mix anything in. I never have. And uh, it's basically, it's usually my lunch, my middle of the day kind of thing. Okay. I also, um, I've found that it actually 
changed my eating habits somewhat. Yeah. Because like it comes in, it recommends 500 calorie meals and being a 2000 calorie pouch. I mean, it, it just, it looks like four meals Four meals seems like a good thing. And I've actually started splitting up my food intake. I was doing this a little bit on the political campaign, just kind of unwittingly. Mm -hmm. But I've started splitting up my meals more. So I'm having more like four smaller meals throughout the day. Right. And I I like it a lot because just the the three-meal paradigm, I just – I've never been really good at it. I'm always, if I wait till lunch, I've basically lost an hour of productivity just because I'm so hungry. I can't think about anything else unless I'm, you know, up moving around that kind of thing. And it's, I don't focus on it nearly as much. Sure. But like, yeah, I've always, I've never really understood just three meal paradigm. Having meals at like seven, 11, two to three or now, like seven, eleven, four, and seven, or around that time period, yeah. it's just always seemed much better to me. That's fair. And so this has formalized it just a little bit, and I don't know. I like it. Makes sense to me. Yeah i I've been eating a lot less the last two months, and I'm I'm fine with it. Yesterday, for instance, I had what I would call dinner, what normal people would call probably an afternoon snack because people eat way too much food for meals. Um, and then we, I ended up getting Subway, so I had a six-inch flatbread sub about an hour or two, hour, two hours maybe after that. And that was way too much food. Like I was completely full and that is just unthinkable a couple months ago. How much exercise are you doing right now? Uh, not tons. Okay. Probably half an hour of walking a day. And then I have a couple physical, like dodgeball, for instance. All right. Yeah. Once a week. So, I mean, I don't know. If I do any any sort of cycling or strength training, just a six-inch sub is good. Yeah. But I'm not sure I could deal well with less. Yeah, it's it's good. And... Basically, the fact that I hadn't really done much that day meant that the other stuff I ate just pushed over the top. Normally, a six inch is like, yep, that's enough food. Also, oh my God, the, jeez, working retail and walking around for (laughs) an eight hour shift. Wow. That's, that's something. I believe it. It's, uh, burns a lot of calories. It's interesting. The life of not an office worker. Yeah, though, I mean, if I do get a job as a CEDO, it's going to be walking about as much. Just for yeah. different reasons. Sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of walking back and forth, the flick switches and things. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. So yeah, are we good for today? I think so. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you in the new year of East Meets West. Absolutely. 
And uh, to our listeners, you can check out unwindmedia.com slash EMW for all the episodes of the show and figure out how to subscribe to the podcast if you want to listen to more episodes or to follow us on social media. Use the hashtag OverthrowRob or UnwindWalkout if you want to express your solidarity solidarity with me <laughs> in saying that Rob puts the dick in dictator. And if you want to use Slack, message me. <laughs>